think we're finished praying. And set up here with mixed emotions again, but I'll be pulling out tomorrow. It's been a, I mean, a wonderful six weeks. That's all I can tell you. Uh, there's certain things I can't explain when, when I really feel it down deep in my heart, but I've already told pastors, I said, I don't know what the difference is, but I, I think this is one of the best uh, six weeks that we've ever had out here. Just I didn't even do as many projects, <laughs> but I mean, I still, we enjoyed ourselves. We had some nice trips. We just, you guys treat me like gold. You really do, and I really appreciate you and love you, and and uh, look forward. When I pull out, I'm already looking forward to coming back next year, and that's, you got to watch that. I really do. I met some new people this year. You know what I mean? I, I was talking to someone. I forget exactly who I was talking to. I said, I don't know. Probably half of the people in here by name. I really don't, you know. And and I like to know people by name. It just makes it better. It just does, you know. And but I, I, Pastor, I said, you want to say anything? He said, No, your family get on up there. And that's how I feel, you know. I mean, he won't even introduce me anymore. Amen. So that's good. So, and uh, I've been very kind, you know, on sitting with you guys. And you know, I always set my alarm. You guys know that. But tonight. I'm not going to set an alarm. This is my last time. I've already got my love offering. <laughs> the only thing I'm putting in jeopardy is my ride to the airport, and I've already got a backup on that. <laughs> no, God bless you guys. And, uh, you know, any preacher that's ever preached always says this and it's the truth you always want to you always want to always want to preach exactly what god wants you to preach and he's put this on my heart tonight to do and by his grace i'll do it but i always need his help so bow your heads and pray with me father in heaven how i do love you and thank you and praise you for this last six weeks lord i thank you for the conference that we had i mean these men uh, Lord, are going places and doing things that most men won't even dream about doing. But God, I just all some of them are probably still on the road and getting back to their places. We have a couple still here. That'll be one be heading out tomorrow, one on Friday. God, I ask you to be with them. It, it was a wonderful conference. I mean, it just really was. Now, dear Lord, I as I pray, I again I've said this a lot of times too. I don't pray out of habit when I get in this pulpit. I pray to get the power of God to rain down upon me to where I can preach the word of God as you've had me to do. Let me not say anything I shouldn't say. Fill me with your spirit. And Lord, thank you for all this in Jesus' name. Amen. How long does it take you to get ready for a trip? Well, you say it depends on where I'm going. If you're going to the store, you just go down by the store and get you a loaf of bread and a quart of milk and don't worry about anything else. In 1995, I was, I was invited out to Washington State to be with John Allen, and uh, never forget that. When I had prepared for him, I took, I, he didn't even have a brochure in his church, and I had him uh, prepare that for me down at Ambassador Baptist Bible College and took, uh, I don't know how many I took out to him, but I had a really good time with him. I was good friends with his son at that time. And then in 1995, I went to Africa with uh, Mike Raines, and uh, certainly enjoyed that but i can tell you one thing if you forget anything on this side of the continent versus there don't even think about don't even think about trying to get it over there before you leave okay i i we went down to the post office one day 
And we went in there, and we were in there for over an hour just getting a really small package. You know what I mean? And I told him, I said, Brother Mike, if I ever get mad at you, I said, I'm going to send you a box of Styrofoam peanuts. And he'll go, he'll go through all that trouble, and all he'll have is a box of Styrofoam peanuts. But Michael Rain is one of the most faithful missionaries that I've watched over the last 25 years, and he is solid. He does it. In 1998, I went to Mexico for my first time, and when I went down there, I, I took the Rosa's children. I had two of them in the car with me, and, and I was carrying a lot of their stuff. My little red ranger was packed to the top. I mean, it was. And then we got through the border, and uh, I mean, it was really funny. When we got through that border, I lost them. There was no cell phones back then, and I had these two children, and he, I said, where's he at? You know what I mean? But we finally got back together. God provided that, but... Uh, you know, when I went down there that time, I, I knew I was going to be there for e at least a year and a half. And I, I mean, I started packing that old truck with my books and anything I thought I'd need for the next two and a half, or one and a half years. I don't even know what year I went to Australia, but uh, uh, my grandson came up to me. He was pretty young, and he says, Papa, he said, what's it like over there? I didn't know. I've never been there, grandson. He said, well. Let's just go down to the library and get a video. And, and he said, we'll find out. I wished I got that advice a long time before because I learned a lot about Australia before I went. You know, I went over there to see Brother Carter, and that was Cooper's uncle. Uh, but I ha we had a good time is what I'm saying. But I want to tell you of a wonderful world to come. And if I'm going to be somewhere for a 1,000 years, I want to know a little bit about it. Isaiah 35 is a millennial passage. I wish I had some good reader to read this for me because I don't, I'm not a good reader. But the Bible says, The wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as a rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice. I'm sorry, I didn't give people time to get there. Isaiah 35, I'll give you a few minutes if you're not there yet. Am I going to pardon you? Oh, very good. Thank you, sweet boy. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice even with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given unto it, the excellence of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God. Strengthen ye the weak hands and confirm the feeble knees. Say unto them that are filled for heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, even God with a recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as an heart, and the tongue of the dumb sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break out and streams in the desert. And the parched ground shall become a pool, and the thirsty land springs of water in the habitation of dragons, where each lay, shall be grass with reeds and rushes. And a highway shall be there, and a way which shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those, the wayfaring men, for fools shall not err therein. No lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast shall go upon thereon. It shall not be found there, but the, the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. 
and they shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Again, dear Lord, bless the reading of your word. So, this world brought in in this passage will not be brought in by the works of man, but predicated on the words and the works of God. With all of man's trying to make a utopia, there are two problems that we never have solved and we never will, and that is sin and death. And we can go all the way back to Socrates, up to the, our modern inventions like Heaven's Gate. There's a, the old James Jones cult. He was an American cult leader. There was the cult of cults, Marshall Applewhite. But no man has ever made a utopia, nor will they, until the Lord Jesus comes back himself. When this new uh, kingdom comes in, it will be fully grown. Every time I read about this wonderful world to come, it is preceded or centered or followed by the works of one person, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And before it comes in, it will be preceded by troubles and tribulations that this world has never seen. It will not, it's not coincidental to me that chapter 34, filled with tribulations, precedes chapter 35, ushering in this new world. I believe Isaiah 34 is the Battle of Armageddon. You study that out and let me know what you think. What will your new world be like? What will it be like? Perfect. Perfect. Think about that. You know, when you think about perfect, you, you're, no adjectives or adverbs can be used with certain words like, you know, perfect. It's, it's either perfect or almost perfect. No, it's perfect. Nearly true. Pure. Sometimes it's pure and sometimes it's not. Some of these bottles that get, say, 100% pure on the, on the water and stuff, I, I wonder what, what's really in there. But the first thing that's going to be perfect in this new world to come is it's going to be politically perfect, ruled by Christ himself. From Jerusalem, the saints, that's us who are saved, will live and reign with Christ. There will be positions of authority. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many. And similar, but not like this world, they will be selected by the lovely Lord Jesus Christ himself. Can you imagine politics being perfect? That would be enough to get saved for just to see that. Right now, you know we have the most money can buy, if you know what I mean with that, too. But imagine never having a scandal, never having an election or a stolen election, might I add that right in there. Every person in every position appointed by Christ himself for a thousand years. And your other homework is read Isaiah 11 when the Lord comes. Not only politically perfect, but it will be geographically perfect. And if you don't know what that means, just think ecology. No floods, no droughts, no fires, and no burning up around here. No famines, no earthquakes, no tornadoes, no Mount St. Helens. That was May of 1980. I don't know why I remember that so much, but I'd like, I've studied a little bit on that. No tsunamis, no Katrinas or Rita's, and the list keeps going on and on and on. I mean, there's just, there's always some kind of a catastrophe going on. Another one down in Florida right now. I just heard about that one today. It's a world, the world I'm talking about is a world at peace with itself. If, for the Bible says that what deserts have became springs of living water. You know, I've lived and visited in places where irrigation is a must. Uh, I know you guys haven't had to irrigate as much 
this year is normal, but you can talk to Dustin. You have to irrigate, <laughs> Dustin. Whew. I've li also lived in areas uh, that have an abundance of rain, and, and I, I watch things flourish in the spring. I really do. Uh, where I'm from in Indiana, there's very little uh, irrigation going on there. I think there is some, but very little. But in this new world, this is what it's going to be like. Look at verse 1 here. It says, The wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them, the de and the desert shall blossom as a rose. Here is the extremes that God is going to go to to make this new world perfect. Verse 2, it says, <coughs> It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice, even with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given unto it. The excellency of Carmel and Sharon, they shall see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God. The glory of, the Le glory of Lebanon, I believe, is referring to the mountains. There will be mountains there. And Carmel, I believe, is talking about the seashore. And when I think about Sharon, I'm thinking about flatlands. And you say, well, I love the mountains. Well, they will be there. So well, I like the seashore. It will be there, too. Say, well, I like the flatlands. Well, I like those. I pray for those who like the flatlands because I like the ocean and the, and the mountains. But it will still be there. It will be there. Most important of all, Jesus Christ, our Lord, will be there. <coughs> and, folks, we have raped this land from Genesis 2.15 to Revelation 20. We are God's servants, but we have destroyed the land. The air is dirty. The water is unsafe. The soil is polluted, you know. In Washington State in 1995, I noticed a sign on the side of a building. Never forget this. <coughs> there were three. You have to use your imagination on there, but there were three uh, world globes, that, you know, right on this big sign. And, and uh, they were just painted side to side, and, and uh, you know, and that you, again, use your imagination. But under the first one, it said, cleaner water. And above the second one, it said, cleaner air. And below the third one, it said, richer soil. And all the way to the right of all this, it says, let's build a better world together. That is a wonderful thought, but the world they're talking about will not appear until Jesus Christ comes back to rule and reign. Imagine... A world at peace with itself. You never have to worry about barometric pressures coming in and causing a hurricane. Never have to worry about a drought or a flood. No earthquakes, no tornadoes, no Mount St. Helens, tsunamis, Katrina, all, all and all. It's a world at peace with itself. Folks, I wouldn't miss it for nothing. It's politically perfect, but number two, it's geographically perfect. This is a world of physical perfection. I mean, that list that we just went over today, we're always, uh, the list in all the churches that I go into are large lists, and most of it is physical. Isaiah 35, 5 says, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. And when you talk about all the people that are deaf or hard of hearing in the United States of America, compare it com uh, with all those that have speech problems on account of their lack of hearing, you're talking about millions of people, millions of people. One out of every three Americans has a mental, emotional, or physical disability that interferes with his work. One of us in this room either has a problem, <laughs> or if we live long enough, we will have a problem. Presently, there are thousands under the age of 18 who are this deaf in that country. If you're not physically disabled, like I said, you just live long enough and you will. And all this seems to be discouraging, and it is. 
But let me encourage you with the fact in this new world to come, the day will come when every believer will have a new body. No sickness, no COVID-19, no headaches, no cancer, no knee replacement. I don't want all the, Randy's getting a hip replacement this week, you know, my buddy back in Indiana. No heart problems. I'm talking perfection. I mean, it's just hard for me to even think about that with the way of the shape that we're in today. And this new world is made for people that are physically perfect. Nobody will feel inferior. Nobody will be blind. Nobody will be deaf. Nobody lame. Every believer will have a new body like our Lord's glorious body. We shall be like him. We shall see him as he is. I'm talking about a world with political perfection, geographical perfection, physical perfection, and number four, a world of spiritual perfection. Can you imagine living in a world for a thousand years with no Satan, no satanic influence, no influence to do evil, <laughs> where doing right is normal, natural? Verse 8 says, and a highway shall be there, and a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those that wayfaring men, though fools, shall not err therein. No lion shall be found there, the devil as a roaring lion, not there. Nor any ravenous beast shall go there, but the redeemed shall walk there. Folks, th that's us who are saved. And, I, you know, I never take it for granted that everybody in here is saved, but this, is, this message is for saved people. This message is telling people where they're going to go when they die. This message is why these men that were here last week are going to these highways and byways and giving the gospel of the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I want to tell you, I'm so far short of what I should be, and I have failed God and other people so many times. Can you even imagine? Think about that. Can you even imagine never having to go to God again and tell him I'm sorry? Spiritual perfection. Can you grasp that? I'm still struggling with that. We will be like him. That's what the Bible says. It's a world of political, geographical, physical, spiritual. And last but not least, it's a world of psychological perfection. Verse 4 says, to those who have a fearful heart. Verse 10 talks of songs and everlasting joy. Are these not all psychological? Verse 10 says, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Are those not psychological? Imagine living in a world with nothing to fear. I've been in a lot of foreign countries, in I've, Mexico and Africa and Calabar and West Australia. And folks, you go into these places, and there is fences and with glass along the top of the, of the uh, fences and everything else where people can cross, barbed wire, whatever it takes to keep people out. Many times, if you don't, are not able to have those, someone in your family has to stay home while you go to church, and they take turns doing that. So they'll have something when they come back home. In West Australia, when I was with Brother Gaylor, uh, 30 break-ins in a town of 800 in one week. Blew my mind. Uh, this new world is a world with no sorrow. And let me interpret sorrow. No regrets. And can you imagine a world without regrets? Folks, we all have regrets. Uh, right now, even as I look at my life, I have no right to be up here preaching the glorious go gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I have many regrets. 
But in this new world, there'll be no regret, no sorrow. It'll all be No more heartbreaking agony. And if you've not experienced heartbreaking agony, you just live long enough and you will. You might ask, what is heartbreaking agony? Well, in February of 1990, I was home from Bible college. And I was in my house in Lagodi, Indiana, and I received a call from my son-in-law. And he told me that my daughter Jody had been in an accident. And they are lifelining her to the hospital in Indianapolis. Indianapolis is a million people. I asked, do you need a ride? And he was, of course, very shook up. But he, and he lived in Bloomington, Indiana, which was about 50 miles from me. And, and Indianapolis was about 100 miles from me. I said, do you need a ride? Because if I thought if she was in an accident, they wrecked the car, you know, uh, the, the, he wouldn't have any way to get up there. But he said, no, and hung up. I mean, that's, and he hung up. I don't realize how shuck up he was. I really do now. But I, I had a lot more questions, you know. If my daughter was in an accident, how about my three-year-old grandson? You know, uh, hospital in Indianapolis, or which hospital? I mean, they're, they're, again, that's a town of a million people. Folks, this is the days of no cell phones. No way of getting hold of anybody after they've hung up, you know. Well, I drove toward Indianapolis. I probably drove as fast as Shannon Mundy would have driven that time. My brother Kenny worked at uh, IU Health there in the Methodist Hospital, so I went there because I figured if he, even if she wasn't there, that there would be someone there that uh, Kenny could call around and find out maybe what hospital she was in. You know, uh, he would... No, because, like I said, he just he was pretty familiar with the Indianapolis area. So I pulled in the parking lot and started recognizing cars. Knew I was in the right place. My son-in-law and several other family members were there already. They had beaten me there. My mom and I had been with Jody and my grandson Christopher for his third birthday uh, just a little, a few days earlier than this accident happened. And when I left them, folks, when I left them, I am so thankful. I had no idea it would be my last time that I would ever speak to her, would have a conversation with my daughter. So I'm thankful the last words I said was, honey, I love you and see you later. And I will see her. I'm going to end with this right now because I don't know everybody's heart in here, but you never know when someone you love that it might be your last time that you'll ever talk with them. And if there's anyone in here right now, you have conflict with someone, if they, if they died today, you would have wished that you would have had made things better while you still could. If that's the case, you take care of it. And don't hesitate to call them. Call them right then, whatever the Lord allows you to do. Jody was 26 weeks pregnant with her second child, Jareth Edwards Kent. She was going to do her laundry that day, and she put Christopher in the car, who was three, and went back to get the laundry, and when she came back out of the house, Christopher knocked the car out of gear, and she got crushed between the two cars. The neighbor came out, and emergency services arrived, and she was lifelined via a helicopter to Indianapolis, Indiana. 
She gave birth to Cherise Edward on the 6th of February, 1990. And when he, he went on home to be in, on Feb, February 7th of 1990, just one day old. His little body, well, if anybody believes in per, uh, abortion, they, they should see the pictures of my grandson. Perfect body, but his little lungs weren't ready for this whole world. After a long struggle, several different ventilators was tried on my daughter, Jody Renee. She went home to be with her Lord and Savior. February 23rd, 1990, 32 years ago. I'm her daddy, and I still miss her. Heartbreaking agony. But I want you to think about my son-in-law, Jimmy. Folks, he lost much more than I did. He lost his best friend. He, he lost the love of his life, his wife, his bed partner, cook, cleaner, the mother of his children, etc., etc., etc. I can't. I can't even explain my loss, but I. I don't even think it compares to what he lost. And I do ask you to pray for him because I still think he's very bitter at God for taking her. You talk to heart. Breaking agony. Verse 10 says, And sorrow and sighing shall all flee away. You say, but Brother Nars, that would leave a vacuum. No, <clears throat> because in his place, it says, will come songs and everlasting joy. Verse 10 says, And the ransom of the Lord. That's us. Believe me now. This is to, to save people. And if you're not saved, I want to talk to you after this meeting. I don't want anybody to go to a place called hell. It says, verse 10, and the ransom of the Lord, that's who, uh, shall return and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed by his infinite mercy, his child and forever. Folks, there's a lot of things, and I mean a lot of things in this old world that I don't understand. But how it's possible to sit and listen to what the word of God teaches on this subject. How there truly is a wonderful world to come. A, a world of total perfection. And yet there are so many, there's so many that will give it up for the pleasures of the sins of the flesh. Folks, I, I, I don't have to answer that. You don't have to answer that. If one will put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and him alone, you can live there in a perfect world. And by the way, before I close, I do have one thought for you to ponder. This wonderful world. I just preached about, <laughs> as great as it is, folks, this is the millennium and heaven yet to come. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you, Lord, for all you've done for me. Thank you for each and every. You know, we, we make a choice on Wednesday night where we're going to come out or stay at home.
thank you for those that made that choice tonight. Lord, help us with any decisions that we need to make. Certainly love you and praise you. And thank you again for this church, the pastor, all the pastors, all the people that treat me so kindly. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor, you come, please. You're dismissed.